0: Welcome to Of Slippers and Spindles. I'm Drew.
1: And I'm Cassie.
0: This is a podcast all about fairy tales and fairy tale retellings. Each month, we choose a different tale and discuss books, movies, and other media based on that story. This month, we are talking about the Twelve Dancing Princesses, and today's episode is about the 2006 film Barbie in the Twelve Dancing Princesses, featuring the voice of Barbie voice actor Kelly Sheridan and the incomparable. Catherine O'Hara. Instead of a patron sponsor today, we are dedicating this episode to a listener named Lila.
1: Lila is a sponsor in energy and enthusiasm, if not financially, because Lila is 13 years old and wrote us just the most amazing email in the entire world, and we were both so excited about it.
0: It touched me. It touched me. It was like, I mean, you and I discussed it. We were, we felt like we were reading a letter from ourselves when we were 13 years old. Oh my gosh. It was just so nice. It was so sweet. And we were so excited.
1: And uh, Lila, if you're listening to this, I know we said this in the email that we sent back, but we did compose our reply to you the day we received your email. And then I was in charge of sending it, but it was like right in the ramp up for my show when my brain was going in 8,000 different directions and I never actually sent it. And I feel very
0: bad about that. Literally, (laughs) we found it in the draft about five minutes ago. And we were like, oh, No. no, we never sent the email.
1: So we did reply. We promise. We promise. Hopefully you've gotten it now and you've been able to read it. But it was just so marvelous to hear from young people who are listening to this, too. And this isn't the first time that we've gotten messages like this from, like, 11, 12, 13 year olds, we've gotten a couple others, but it's always just so delightful because, you know, you and I would have eaten this up when we were that age, like we would have obsessed over it.
0: That's why we started this podcast, because this is the podcast that you and I wanted to listen to, and it didn't exist, so we made it.
1: Yeah, and like, she told us all of her favorite fairy tale retellings, she actually found us because of Grounded, which like, snaps for that. Yes. And then she told us... All about her favorite musicals and like the dream roles she wants to play. And it's just like 20 years ago, we would have been best friends. Right. So anyway, thank you, Lila, for your wonderful message. And we hope that you enjoy this episode.
0: Yes. Thank you, Lila. This episode is dedicated to you. We also have a surprise. It may not be a surprise if you read the show notes, because we are joined today by my sister, Dari. Hello. Welcome.
1: Frequent friend of the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me back on. Of course, we needed a Barbie expert.
0: Yeah, Cassie and I have no experience with Barbie movies, so you are our resident expert. I don't know how much of an expert you really are on (laughs) Barbie-like movies (laughs) altogether, but it can't be less than Cassie and me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely watched uh, the Nutcracker and Swan Lake movies when they came out. This one came out when I was in high school, and I feel like I have memories of, like, renting it from Blockbuster and just, like, watching <laughs> it by myself just because I wanted to see it. So it was fun to watch it again, and I also remember, like, being at a slumber party in high school with all my high school friends, and we watched Barbie in The Princess and the Popper. <laughs> like, so Barbie movies are, like, kind of core girlhood memory. So I'm excited to talk about this one. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And Barbie, I think I said this in the last episode, or it might have been just when Drew and I were chatting afterwards. I was never a huge Barbie girl. And the Barbie movies specifically all came out like after my childhood, because this is 2006. That's the year I graduated high school. So yeah, yeah, I just I missed that particular cultural touchstone.
2: Yeah. And they came out right when also I was really into dance. I used to dance like five, six days a week. Sometimes um and specifically ballet so they were very very, like piqued my ballet interest too and that's what i one of the things i appreciate about these like first three is they like took the time to like they actually like i think they partnered with abt i'm not exactly sure don't fact check me on that um and they like filmed actual ballet dancers doing the ballet dancing movement and i don't know if it was specifically motion capture but they like modeled it on their movement. So like the dance is like actually legit. It's all like really real ballet. And at least these early ones.
0: What is ABT?
2: Oh, American Ballet Theater.
0: Okay, that's what I assumed. But just wanted to confirm for for myself and for any listeners who may not be familiar.
2: Yeah, um, they're like the one of the biggest ballet companies in the US. Nice. So I'm not sure if it was them or another dancer, but I know it was like a prominent ballet company.
1: Yeah. And a lot of the music in this that they're dancing to is taken from Mendelssohn, um, which is, you know, yes, that's a good place. Yeah. Good, solid place to start. It's similar to Disney Sleeping Beauty,
2: which took
0: yes
1: a lot of their background music from Tchaikovsky. So
2: I was here for that. Yeah, I had to look it up because it sounded so familiar. And a lot of the pieces are from specifically A Midsummer Night's Dream, his ballet, Mm -hmm. which is really fun to watch too.
0: Listen, this is easily the most popular version of the 12 Dancing Princesses that exists. If you do a Google image search for 12 Dancing Princesses, not even Barbie in the 12 Dancing Princesses, just the name of the tale, and you go to Google image... All of the results, I mean, for a while, you have to scroll for a while until you get to something that is not Barbie.
2: It's iconic.
0: Yeah. Well, and part of it is that like Disney never did this fairy tale. There's never been another like big company that mm-hmm. has done this story.
1: Yeah. We we are going to have to chat at the end of this, though, about how much of this movie is actually this fairy tale.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Of course.
1: We always yeah, like to start... let's go ahead
0: and... These... <laughs> We're going to start with the thing. Yes, the thing. What is the thing for the names of the Twelve Sisters?
1: The thing is, uh, first of all, that they're all very modern-sounding <laughs> names for a fairy tale princess movie, but also they are alphabetical in order of birth, which coming off of my Bridgerton high doesn't bother me.
0: I don't mind the alphabetical. I hate the names, though. I hate how modern they are.
1: Oh, no. The names are awful. They're not all bad. They're so... They're not all bad,
0: but most of them are. This is the problem, though, is that, like, half of them are Ashlyn and Blair and Courtney. Yeah. Right? And the other half are, like, Delia and Genevieve and And Janessa. And things that sound very princessy.
1: Yeah. So we've got Ashlyn, Blair, Courtney, Delia... Edeline, which I think is a name they made up. <laughs> Elizabeth was right there. Elizabeth, <laughs> Elaine, Edith. Like there are lots of E names. Eloise. Eloise would have been a great one. Um, Fallon, Genevieve, Hadley, Isla. I wrote down Janetta and then later I heard Janessa and I'm like, I don't know which one it is. And then Kathleen and Lacey.
0: It is Janessa. I wish it was Janetta only because that was this, the name of the eldest princess in fairy tale theater
1: yeah i was really excited when i wrote it down i was like oh we have another janetta and then later i was like is that an s or is that a t could we enunciate a little clearer
0: <laughs> i had the captions on so janessa
1: and then the the love interest's name is derek yeah. <laughs> Derek. <laughs> continuing this trend of like just they're so modern the names are so modern and then my note for multiples because we uh-huh. always track how many multiples are included uh, it took a while into the movie for it to establish who was actually multiples. Right. So my first note is, um, triplets and non-uplets if the animation is any indication. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, then. So the it- offshoot note is, my bad, there are two medium-sized girls. So triplets, twins, and septuplets.
2: Yeah. Cause so, like, all of the Barbie movies kind of exist in a Barbie universe where, like, there are no in-between age. You are either Barbie age, Skipper age or Kelly age. Mm-hmm. So they kind of fit in those three categories.
0: So when the king introduces, well, first of all, we, we meet the sisters by name like three different times in a row. They go out of their way to establish their names. But when the king officially introduces them one by one in order, Von Trapp style, to Duchess Rowena... He specifically says that Hadley and Isla are twins. Even though Delia and Edeline are introduced together, they are not designated as twins. Hadley and Isla are, and then Janessa, Kathleen, and Lacey are introduced as triplets.
1: Yeah. So when I get to that point, I said my legit multiples answer triplets. And I think one set of twins, but maybe two, because he does very clearly go Ashlyn, Blair, Courtney, and then Delia and Edeline. And I'm like, so are they twins? And then he goes, the twins, Hadley and Isla. And I'm right. like, so are the other ones not What's twins? What's going on here?
0: What's happening? Well, so I'm still not 100% so,
1: sure what the answer is.
0: So, also in this sequence, I wrote down, like, what is each sister's characteristic? And I wanted to read them because I think they're very funny. Go for it, please. Ashlyn's characteristic is the heir to the throne, she has no further personality other than she is the eldest. Then we get Blair, whose personality is she rides horses. That's a pretty good one, actually. Probably the strongest. We Courtney. stand a
2: horse, girl. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> uh, Courtney reads. Delia and Adeline, I don't know. They're just introduced together. They have Are no they the thing. stilts
2: pair? No, that's the uh, that's the younger oh, twins. Oh, that's the other, ones. The other okay. twins. Okay. But they're uh, the I ones playing. I don't know. Play... Someone
0: plays croquet, but I don't that's know. That's these who. two. That's Delia oh, yeah, and Adeline.
1: Yeah. They're the sporty girls.
0: Fallon, again, Nothing in particular she she's does there. seem to gravitate towards animals because she's the only one who is like interested in the monkey that's with rowena
2: the evil monkey
0: then we have genevieve <laughs> Genevieve's personality trait is she's always late,
2: late. <laughs> and also she's Barbie and being Barbie she's Barbie and but Barbie. Like in
0: terms of like
2: and loving Derek and loving Derek.
0: that's not a personality trait. she has oh. a cat. And then Hadley and Isla, their personality trait is that they are twins. Uh, Janessa and Kathleen, they paint. And then Lacey- One of them
1: is obsessed with bugs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well,
0: you right. One of them is bugs. the
1: bug-obsessed princess who I love and would lay down my
0: life for. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lacey is the youngest. Her personality trait is just kind of like her naivety. She's
1: clumsy. Yeah. She's clumsy. She falls down a lot, apparently, except that she actually only falls down once. But then references that she falls down all the time. Yeah. Even though it only happens one time.
0: <laughs> of course. Listen, we're laughing at all of this. It's all very goofy. It's all very silly. But I had a lot of fun watching this movie.
2: No, absolutely. I was like surprised how little I looked at my phone. Yeah. I was just really like enjoying it. <laughs> and
1: here's here's what I'm intrigued by. This is This has always been my point from the beginning of this. And like I stand middle child representation. But I cannot understand... <laughs> Why they had Barbie as like a middle
2: daughter and not the oldest princess? Because or like I can answer this. She could be can you second oldest and her name could be Barbie. <laughs> well, I, we, I was, was
0: going to say because they really liked the name Genevieve <laughs> and they wanted her to be Genevieve, but <laughs> Genevieve has to fall in the middle.
1: I was giving the breakdown of this movie to my husband as we were walking home last night, <laughs> and I was like, "And Barbie is Genevieve," and he's like, "But the name Barbie was right there.
2: Why is it Barbie Barbie?" <laughs> Well, was like well, she has she's different Genevieve. names
0: in all of the movies, right? Yeah. Like she, yeah, yeah, she can't because just it's be Barbie, Barbie in, in the Twelve yeah. Dancing Princesses, yes, yes. not
2: Barbie and the Twelve Dancing Princesses, right? So, so like that was my
1: question. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm thrilled to see a middle child in this like sea of princesses, kind of being. The leader or whatever, but, like, we're told that she's the ringleader, and I'm sitting there going, okay, but why? Why isn't it the oldest princess?
2: Because she's always late. That's her main personality trait.
0: (laughs) No, I I definitely agree. Like, there's no reason that she shouldn't. She functions as the eldest both among these girls and within the story. They don't, like, use any middle child personality traits, you know? No. And I say that to two women who are middle child (laughs) within their family, Um, there's things about being a middle child that if you're going to portray a middle child, especially the middle among 12, like
1: Mm -hmm. that
0: dynamic is different.
1: And like squarely in the middle too. Yeah. Like very squarely in the middle. But it was really interesting because we're going to talk about this a lot more in our wrap-up episode, but she is, Genevieve is the youngest of the older princesses. Like, there's very clearly a definitive age break between her and the next group, because that's when we shift from the Barbie age princesses to, I don't know, I think the Skipper age princesses.
2: Yeah. I don't know.
1: Who's the middle one? Skipper is the teen. Skipper. Yeah. And I think that that's really interesting for me personally, because my 12 Dancing Princesses novel that I wrote, that is also my focal character, is the youngest princess of the older set. Oh. Mm, interesting. So. So comparing this to mine was interesting because it was like, again, she functions as the oldest princess in this story. Yeah. Like, very definitively.
0: It's interesting that this comes up a lot. That, like, I think almost in every episode, there's been something within that story that you say, like, that is in your story as well, Mm -hmm. but you were not aware of these other ones. So there's something about, like... You know, the universality of fairy tales and what we pull out yeah. of them and all of that. Yeah.
1: And so, yeah, so we're we're introduced to the king, King Randolph, who is entertaining this, I don't know, footman from like another kingdom who's issuing an invitation. And we see the princesses like run through and one of them is chasing bugs and another one is playing games through the main hall. And this visiting counselor or whatever is like, ugh these girls are having fun and showing personality how dare they
0: <laughs> so we will no longer invite you to this ball
1: and king randolph was doing a good job of being like the loving indulgent father until he heard that comment and then he did the like i'm disappointed sigh and i'm like dude don't ruin it um so the king kind of decides that he needs a helping hand with his daughters to turn them into proper princesses Ugh. <laughs> And like in the middle of this, they get the announcement that Derek is here with the shoes and they all get super excited and they run out and the king's like, I don't understand. They're just shoes. And like one of the, I don't even know, one of the not twins, I think, turns back and goes, just shoes.
0: I loved that one. And it's like,
1: what is, what is that? What is that meant to do? Is that meant to show us that they're girly and frivolous?
2: I think it's like they love dancing so much. Yeah. Because these are their dancing shoes. These are dancing shoes. Dancing, we kind of find out, like, it's something that connects them to their mother, too. So, like,
1: that's why they- We
2: kind of find that out, yes. (laughs) That is left
1: very much up to your personal understanding and interpretation. It's not really- outright stated in the movie like i was able to infer that that was the intention Life
2: well, was like i thought barbie said at one point when they are told they can't dance anymore she's like but we always used to sing and dance with mom or something yeah so
1: there's like little references yeah. here and there um i think they could have made more of that
2: yeah but I, yeah so i feel like with a barbie movie they didn't want to explore grief too much <laughs> that's valid that's fair but yeah, so, so Derek
1: comes with his cart and his parrot.
0: My and- note here is, <laughs> we meet Derek, the hunky cobbler, but far more importantly, we meet his parrot, Felix. Felix is <laughs> the best part of this movie. I genuinely laughed out loud at several of his lines that I will note <laughs> along the way. I love Felix. <laughs>
2: And this is like a classic Barbie movie trope is there's always little animal sidekicks because, you know, when you get the Barbie doll, there has to be Mm -hmm. like an animal with it. So there's several, always several throughout the movies. Yeah. So Genevieve has a cat named Twyla. Yes, I love Twyla.
1: (laughs) And Derek has a, a parrot named Felix.
0: I wrote that down as well, though, that, like, these animals are only here to be, like, the little plastic toy animal that you get with the doll. (laughs) Uh
1: I have a note later that says, I have my doubts that the monkey versus cat subplot is necessary.
0: (laughs) You were right.
1: (laughs) You are correct. And the answer is, it's not. It's not necessary at all. Um, But – derek and genevieve are making eyes at each other obviously and derek put the most time and energy into genevieve's slippers and he saves them for last to give to her and all of her sisters who are watching are like he's cute and he likes you and she's like no he doesn't and they're like no he does <laughs> very <obvious. laughs> he definitely does and she's like i don't think that's true and they're like Do you, is it because he's not a prince is that what bothers you and she's like no of course that doesn't bother me at all but she insists the whole movie she's like he doesn't like me and i'm like "Girl,
0: <laughs> girl." so obvious.
1: Everybody else's slippers are like a solid color and yours have like quilting (laughs) jewels and flowers on them.
0: (laughs) So the king kind of decides he needs help with the daughters, like you said, to make them proper princesses. And so his cousin is summoned. We meet Duchess Rowena. This is our villain voiced by Catherine O'Hara, and she has a monkey sidekick named Brutus.
1: She shows up and my note is, "Ah, hello, the villain. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's no subtlety in this whatsoever.
0: No, no, no. no. But I love that.
1: (laughs) No, it's great. It's great. But the way that they get around villainizing the, the king in this is to let the king be this loving father, and literally introduce a brand new character to take all of his villainous parts of the story.
0: Yes, you're right. Yeah,
2: well, and like at a certain point, I was like, I feel like there are not a lot of high stakes here. The girls were just mad that they are being like told what to do. Yeah. But then she starts poisoning the king. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, my, this my is no, serious. Now, now we've
0: got now we've got a bad guy. <laughs>
1: Are yeah. we murdering the king twenty minutes into this movie? <laughs> and the answer is kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah so and Rowena- at one
1: point, at one point, the king is talking to Rowena, and he says something like, "I just worry about them because someday they will be responsible for running the kingdom." And I'm like, "Wait a minute! All twelve of them
2: will be responsible? <laughs> <for> <laughs> I, ha- I have for running the kingdom too." I'm like, "Oh, okay.
1: How does this monarchy work?" <laughs> However many kids you have, your kingdom gets divided up into equal shares. Into
0: 12 parts.
1: (laughs) 12 parts?
0: Like a clock. So Rowena has two big things that she's doing that are uh, uh, oppressing the people around her. And we've mentioned them already. So she is poisoning the king. And so he gets really sick. And then she's also in charge of lessons for the girls. And she kind of like takes away all of their colorful gowns and gives them gray dresses. And she takes away all of their colorful bedding. And all the fun and joy is kind of sucked out of their lives. And this is demonstrated through fan lessons, or her teaching them how to flutter a fan. This was the oppressive class that we watched them suffer through. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And at one point, she goes, "No dancing and no singing." And yes. I said, "Ah, yes, Barbie by way of Footloose." <laughs> I, I
0: didn't even write it down because I was like, "There's no way someone doesn't mention Footloose here."
2: Footloose, but also like any princess etiquette is typically going to include learning how to dance. So, right, that was yeah a bit of a reach. But they
1: it's they take they take joy in it, and that must not be allowed. Because yeah. so it's like it's the triplets' birthday. Mm -hmm. And so they're doing this like beautiful little birthday routine and she storms in. In case you weren't aware, she's the villain. And she's like, we do not celebrate birthdays until you've earned (laughs) celebrating birthdays. I don't care that you're five.
0: And so for their birthdays, the girls receive books. They all receive the same book every time they turn, what, five or something? Six? They're, They're very little. And each the the book is always the same. It's about this dancing princess who found a portal to a magic world with silver trees. And there she could dance. And she could go there for three nights. And then the world closed itself off to her. And she could never go back again. This sounds familiar to me. (laughs) Yes. The books also have flowers on them. Because the princesses, in addition to being alphabetical, they have a designated color I believe, a designated gemstone and a designated flower. So the books have their flower on them. Interestingly, (laughs) the tiles in the middle of the floor of their bedroom have the same flowers on them.
2: What? Oh my goodness. Crazy.
0: And so Genevieve immediately figures out that if she dances on these specific tiles on the floor, in order of their birth, A portal opens in the middle of the floor.
1: I'm just saying, like, at no point
2: when anybody ever stepped on that first flower, did it make the little, like, magical singing
0: (laughs) noise?
1: Like,
2: Yeah, we literally have never stepped on this. We have never looked at the cover of our books and realized that it matches these stones. It's fine. It's fine. This is the conceit. I'll go with it.
0: I appreciate that there is some explanation, both of how the thing opened and how they found that it opened.
1: Uh Uh-huh. There's not an explanation of how or why it came to be there. No. Nope. Um, But yeah, they go into this magical pavilion that their mother described in this book. And it's really fascinating to me that there is nobody else there. This is not like other versions of the story that we've looked at, where there's like a midnight court and there's like fairy princes like there's nobody there it's just a magical underground pavilion
2: yeah well and they're excited because they're like oh we can dance here we can't dance up in the real world but we can dance here so that's what their motivation to dance all night is because they can only dance Mm -hmm. in that area
1: and it's magic and when they speak a wish that they have that wish comes true and so they get dancing outfits and they get special music from these magic flowers
0: i thought it was really interesting that it interpreted the golden trees as like golden flowers within the trees i always imagine them as like yeah. literal metallic mm-hmm. golden trees
2: yeah yeah
0: but for them it was like oh look golden trees and it's like a normal green tree <laughs> and then i was like oh no there are golden flowers there okay yeah. i get it yeah
1: and so they dance the first night, and then they're all tired the next day, and the monkey finds the shoes and brings them back to Rowena. And so the second night, she sets her henchman to, like, man the door, but then the monkey finds the shoes again, and it's a whole thing.
2: Was it the first night that, uh I think... I forget which one's the youngest, but she hurts herself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she falls. Well,
1: she, like, throws herself to the ground. (laughs) Yeah. It was one of the only times where I had to remind myself, like, don't judge this movie based on its 15-year-old animation. But, like, (laughs) she's, like, doing this beautiful dance move and then all of a sudden just, like, crumples to the ground. Um, And so they find out that the water in the grotto can heal. And this is where we find out that Lacey is clumsy because they tell us that Lacey is clumsy. Yes.
2: Yes. But and then she takes
1: have this all the time and she takes them. Yeah. Which will be important later. So I will say that I do kind of love that when they are confronted by Rowena about the worn through slippers, and and Rowena's like how did you wear through these slippers? Where do you go? They're like, oh, we opened a portal in our ba- in our floor and we went down to this magical world underneath and we danced all I night. And she's believe- like, don't lie to me. And they're like, we're not? <laughs> I,
0: I couldn't believe that any of the older sisters were like, stop, don't tell. Like they just let the little five-year-old sisters tell this horrible woman about the place that they get refuge from her. Yeah. Well,
1: and I just... It felt very much to me like we can't have Barbie lie. Yeah. Like that very much felt like the reasoning behind that choice. Like we can't possibly have Barbie tell a lie. And so she asked a question. They give this truthful answer. And on the one hand, like part of me is like, no, I do kind of love that. And they're just not believed. Yeah. But on the other hand, because we've made that choice, we now lose the contest. We lose the suitors. We lose mm-hmm. following them down to try and solve the mystery because there isn't a mystery. And that is such a huge chunk of what this fairy
0: tale is. Yeah, it's yeah half the story. I mean, actually, it's the whole story, really.
1: Yeah. So The contest
0: is introduced almost right away in the fairy tale.
1: Yeah, and so there's other hijinks that are happening in this movie. Um, Genevieve sees... Rowena talking to an apothecary and buying something from him and she sends Derek to like go figure out what it was that Rowena was purchasing and that's how they kind of uncover this plot to poison the king.
0: I do like that the payment for the poison was a goblet, Mm -hmm. which, you know, at least is something from the fairy tale. It's not used in the same way, but at least it's like an item that we recognize from the story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so... The monkey is a spy, obviously. So when the girls go down (laughs) for their third night, he goes and gets Rowena and the monkey like dances on the stones. And so that's where they realize, oh, it wasn't a lie. This is actually true.
0: Yes. Um, Derek has danced on the stones first, though. Okay. This is
1: some Sherlock Holmes level (laughs) bullshit from Derek. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. He walks into the room and they're gone and he's like, oh, but there's shoe polish on this stone. And then there's (laughs) less shoe polish on this one. So this must be the order that I go around the stones to open the magic door.
0: When he first sees the shoe polish, Felix apparently says, newsflash, she walked in her own room. And (laughs) I laughed out loud. It cracked me up. But
1: I'm just sitting there like, he's not even going to find the book. And read the book and use that? Yeah. Like, oh, that, that option, <laughs> which would be so much more believable, was right in front of you. But no, it's like, hmm, no, I'm going to track this forensic, like, I'm going to use forensic <laughs> like, science to figure the, the out the- The is
0: strongest here. He has also seen Barbie Genevieve do the dance in the garden. Their mother's garden has the same, like- tile formation so he sees that so he sees the shoe polish and and then he's like oh the dance and then (laughs) felix the (laughs) parent again says my weren't we paying attention which i like that (laughs) like we kind of call out how ridiculous it is that he saw this (laughs) dance once and can immediately replicate it well
1: and then like my other thing with this with derek and with rowena when she comes and she does the same thing to open and and go down into the magical world how do they know to twirl? The magic step that actually opens the gate is that on the last one, you don't just step on it. You have to spin three times. How do they know to twirl?
0: Well, Derek saw her do the dance. Right. I'm sorry. I forgot. Eidetic
1: memory, Derek, over
0: here. And the monkey, the monkey has seen the dance as well. And I don't think Rowena does the dance, right? I think the monkey does the dance. And monkey see, monkey do. <laughs> Drew,
1: no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not and this was like listen i went into this movie going okay this is a barbie fairy tale there are some conceits that i'm just gonna have to accept and that's fine i do that it's okay this was the first point where i went nah barbie -uh." (laughs) i'm sorry sherlock holmes Derek over here i don't buy it
0: (laughs) i loved it But in the way that like, you know, it's so terrible that that's why I loved it.
1: So Rowena goes and follows them down to steal. She steals a flower and then she goes back up and then she smashes the magic tiles, which cuts off this magical land from the real world and traps.
0: It's pretty dark.
1: I know. Yeah. Traps all the princesses and Derek and the parrot in the underground world. And then she goes and has the king enact the Royal 25th Amendment and uh, turn over (laughs) control of the kingdom to her until he's
0: recovered. And meanwhile, the sisters, first of all, realize that if they leave, they won't be able to come back because in the original story that they read in the book, the land vanished after three nights. So they they connect that dot. And then they're like, no, we got to go back. We got to go help our dad. Because Derek has revealed the the plot to poison the king. And so how are they going to get back? Genevieve very conveniently realizes that once again, the floor tiles in the pavilion meant the floor tiles in their room. So she starts to do the dance, but it, it doesn't work.
2: And I thought like, for sure, I was like, oh, it's going to be in reverse order because they're going back Yeah, up. me too. That's what like, I also thought.
0: That is so smart. I didn't even think of that. <laughs>
1: I was like, oh yeah, they're gonna have to do it backwards, but no, but yeah, no, it's no. the two people have to dance it together for
0: no reason. This is not explained. The only reason is to get um, Genevieve and Derek to it's dance so together. so that
2: Genevieve and Derek can dance uh-huh. together, Drew.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and because that goes back to like their whole all the ballet being correct and all that is they have to have a pas de deux at the end, oh. so they need an excuse for that pas de deux. because like there's a very iconic one, and then Barbie has a Nutcracker too, whereas like Barbie just inexplicably becomes a Sugar Plum Fairy so that they can do the Sugar Plum Fairy potada. <laughs>
0: gotcha. It checks out logistically, it does not check out within the story.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's valid. That's 100%. 100%. But they emerge in, like, the dancing garden.
0: Wait, wait, <laughs> wait. We cannot skip over. All of the princesses have to do the dance as well. And so they're doing the dance, and there's not, like, a staircase. They just, like, kind of fly up as they do the dance. But... My favorite part is that Twilight Cat is also doing the dance and flying up with the sister.
1: <laughs> well, she has to because with Derek there, there's thirteen people. <laughs> but, but so somebody's got to do the dance. The others with Lacey. are dancing
0: together, but you don't have to dance in partners because, like, the triplets are dancing together. They're 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 in different numbers, but someone couldn't have just like picked up. The cat the cat had to do the dance no. too.
1: <laughs> the cat had to do the dance too.
0: But yes, they emerge up in the garden because again the tiles are there in the garden.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I know that you've got a note about this line, because I have a note about this line where they're like, We'll defeat Rowena with the power of twelve. And Felix the parrot says to Derek, What are we invisible? And I went, Heh, I see what you did again, there. Again,
0: I genuinely laughed out loud. Great <laughs> note about the invisibility from the original fairy tale. Uh I also still want to know what the power of 12 is. That is not... Right, that has never
1: been mentioned before this moment. No,
0: No, and you could very easily introduce that earlier into the dialogue. You know, the concept that the sisters, when they all work together, they can do anything. But no, we just threw it in here.
1: No, just here. And so they have to like, they come up with this elaborate plan because Rowena with the power of the crown and the power of the magic flower has, like, summoned a guard to keep the princesses out. And she's like, if you see the princesses, you will arrest them for treason because they weren't here when their father signed the Royal 25th Amendment. (laughs) And that's treasonous.
0: How dare they not be present when we didn't even try to summon them.
1: Yeah. And, like, Desmond is there. And so the girls come up with this elaborate plan and they break off into groups to, like, lead the guards away. And eventually they like lock Desmond in a room and like they put a bar over the door and then later he just like busts out of it. Like how?
0: <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But Genevieve and Derek ultimately arrive right after the king has drunk the last drop of poison and seemingly dies. Rowena uses the wishing flowers to make the suits of armor protect her because all of the guards are gone. And of course, Genevieve and Derek have to work together to fight these suits of armor. (laughs) And then of course, right as they complete this task, Lacey is brought in because she got caught.
1: But she was coming in because she took this magic water from the pavilion and she's going to use it to save her dad. Mm -hmm. And then Rowena's like, I'm going to make you dance forever with the power of my magic flower. And then Barbie pulls out the fan (laughs) and fans the magic spell back on Rowena. And I'm like, cool. Is that how magic works in this world?
0: At least it's like a little bit of a callback. Like at least the fan appeared earlier in the movie. (laughs) But it was really weird.
1: It was real strange. And so she and Desmond dance away into the night.
0: Mm-hmm. Never, never to be heard seen heard again. From
1: again. And we cure the father, and then he's like, "My daughters can be whatever they want." And what Genevieve wants is to be married to Derek. Yes, and and she's not late this time.
0: She, yes, she arrives to the wedding. She says, "I'm finally on time for something." That's literally. I mean, they use that to establish her character, <laughs> beginning, middle, and end. And this is her defining trait. Yep, and. Derek and Genevieve dance their final dance and presumably live happily ever after.
2: Yeah. Ruling their 112th of the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Ruling their 112th of the kingdom.
1: And so, my final note is it is 12 dancing princesses, but, but also <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. Because you have 12 princesses who open a magic door in their bedroom and go dance in a magical underground land and wear through their slippers, but that's it. Yeah. The rest of the original fairy tale is not there, and the rest of the story that we get in this movie is completely different.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, a Disney movie that changes the story this drastically. I think Tangled and Rapunzel, maybe. But But even they kind of bring it back in the end. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, Frozen. They just kind of meander in the... Well, Frozen doesn't count, because Frozen is not a retelling of the Snow Queen. Who
0: saw that coming? Everybody raise your hand.
1: (laughs) If you've got your up slippers and spindles bingo card that I'm sure you've created at some point, <laughs> here's the thing is the free square in the middle.
0: I was just gonna say that.
1: <laughs> but one of the other squares is definitely Cassie pointing out that Frozen is not a retelling of the Snow Queen.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shall we talk about our criteria?
1: Let's talk about those criteria.
0: All right. Our first criteria is to characterize the sisters, define their motivations. You know going into this that there are 12 of them, so we need to be able to tell them apart. What do we think about these sisters?
2: I mean, they have hobbies. Attempts were made.
0: This is like the weakest <laughs> of, of the retellings that we looked at this month. This one like, is like ranked lowest in terms of this criteria. Uh, There's an attempt, I guess.
1: An attempt is made, which honestly is better than some other versions that we did not read this (laughs) month. So I can give you guys a list of like ones to stay away from.
0: You can mark that off your bingo card as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, So yes, this is the weakest offering of what we've looked at this month. It's not as bad as others that I've seen because I would say that more than two princesses do have fairly strong characterizations, but nobody's got a great characterization. Not even Genevieve has a great characterization.
0: Okay, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. More than two. So you're saying there's at least three that are defined. Which three?
1: So you've got Genevieve, who's always late, and uh, Lacey, who's pretty clumsy. And then I'm just here rooting for bug girl. Yeah, because they have bug one. <laughs>
0: I'll give you bug girl, but you can't tell me which one that is. I
1: think it's it's either Janetta or Kathleen. I think it's I think it's Janessa. It's the dark haired triplet.
0: Okay, fair enough. I'll give it to you.
1: And Blair rides horses and Courtney walks around with her nose in a book all the time. And she's brunette. <laughs> and Hadley and Isla are twins, Drew.
0: If I asked you this question tomorrow, you could not give me more than Genevieve, Lacey, and one of the triplets. Valid. Yeah. All right. So I, I would say maybe like half a check mark on this.
1: Attempts were made, but not well achieved. Yeah. And I think what's fascinating is like part of the reason I put this criteria in is because I didn't want to see adaptations that spend all of their time on the oldest princess and then a little bit of time on the youngest princess and no time at all with their other ones. And then this adaptation gives us literally nothing. On the oldest princess. Of the 12, she is probably the least characterized.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's because Genevieve is the oldest princess. I know, but she's not. Or whatever. (laughs) All right. Well, moving on into our second criteria. We want to explore the concept of the dance. So why is there a door in their bedroom? Why are they dancing every night? How does the world of the dance impact the world of above?
1: Uh. So, like, is the princess in the story supposed to have been their mother yeah like is that supposed to be the takeaway
0: oh yeah i think so
1: i would have liked to see more like we've got her portrait on the wall that people are sad around um but like if we could have spent any time talking about their mother and kind of making it a little clearer that she was the princess and that part of the reason they all love dancing is because of the connection to their mother that, I think, would have helped this, but it still does not explain to me, like, was their mother a magical fairy princess? How did their mother <laughs> find this place? How did she make this, like, magical floor circle path? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to me, the connection with their mother was was clear, especially because they reemerge in their mother's garden. I, I don't know. I, I got that, but it's the why of it all. Why is this thing here? Yeah. Why are they dancing? I got that because...
1: Because it's they dance because their
0: mother passed the, her love of dancing to them, and they're dancing as a rebellion against Rowena. I think so. When I went into this, I knew that Rowena was here as like a, a new villain, but didn't know what she was going to be. And I thought she was going to be connected to this magical world. Once I started watching the movie, once I met Rowena, I was like, oh no, okay, that's clearly not the case. But that's kind of what I would I would have liked to have seen her connected to that world and like that's her way of getting rid of the princesses more actively and then I would understand why that world existed because maybe she is magical and evil and she created it to get rid of them that's how like I would have gone with it yeah personally yeah but that that changes a lot like that changes the entire story yeah but in terms of whether they did this or not again maybe half the point maybe
1: half the point because I understand some of it, but, like, I – they answered some questions, but in doing that, like, pushed other answers away. Like, I I asked the question, w- how did this magical world come to be? And they're like, oh, it was her mother. And I'm like, okay, but the
2: initial question I asked is still there. <laughs> yeah. You've just, like, offset it slightly. Also, the implication of, like, anything we wish for comes true in this land and, like, what you could do with that power like i'm surprised that wasn't explored with rowena i mean it kind of was it's just kind of like we could just think of anything
0: no you're right
2: like it's kind of like unlimited wishes right like yeah yeah well because one of the things the girls do on the second
1: night is that they wish for partners and these like golden statues come to life and dance with them
2: yeah and then especially that like she takes the flower and the wishes still work. So it's like, okay, so Mm -hmm. you guys could have like taken a whole bunch of those and just had like wishes on hand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You could change the world. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk about our third criteria, which is to explain the motivations of the other characters. So we can go through these four one by one. We've got the soldier who is reinterpreted as Derek, the cobbler. He's only the soldier in the sense that he is a love interest and he does he does follow them down.
1: He does. Yeah. Listen, do I like making the cobbler a character in this story? Yes, I do. I think that's a really interesting avenue to pursue. However, of the 3 people I've seen do that, nobody's done it very well.
0: <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
2: I do appreciate that with Derek, with combining them, it gives him a reason for um, knowing the princesses mm-hmm. and following them without their the challenge being a thing. Like, mm-hmm. so in this movie, the contest isn't a thing. So he wouldn't have a reason otherwise to, like, know the princesses.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
2: Yeah, I think that it was that was a clever way to introduce this love interest character. Yeah,
0: I am all for it. I think every adaptation should say Out with a soldier, in with a cobbler. The cobbler should always be the love interest because it's a great way to directly connect that male character to the story itself, to the stakes, to the princesses. He's immediately involved in a way that this random soldier is not at all.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So that's my opinion. Okay. But uh, I mean, I think he's explored fairly well, even if he functions a little differently.
1: He does function differently, but I think I think Derek is fairly well characterized because he's the only male
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: character in the story <laughs> other than the king. Yeah, like yeah. he's the yeah. only like love interest. Nobody else gets a love interest.
0: Well, speaking of the king, he is next on our list. He's there. Hmm.
2: Yeah, he gets like sick immediately. So like
0: he introduces a villain into his castle and then is like immediately out of the story.
2: That's true. Yeah. Uh, because again, I think they
1: didn't want to make the villain. They didn't want to make the dad the villain, so they split that character into two. And so they mm-hmm. have good dad, and then they have yeah the villainous parts in Rowena. And in order to prevent good dad from being able to like step in and stand up for his daughters when things go wrong, they make him sick and on the verge of death the whole movie. Yeah, so he's there.
0: Yeah, I'm fine with this for the king. I will say though that like the villainous aspects being put into Rowena instead, she does not actually do any of the bad things that the king in the fairy tale does.
1: Yeah. She locks them in their room.
0: Okay. Well, (laughs) welcome to being a parental figure within a a story.
1: Uh, But you're right. like She is the villain for this Barbie movie, but she's not villainous in any of the same ways that the original story were because those elements have been removed and reworked.
0: Right, yeah. right. Our third character here is the woman in the woods, who? Does not exist. Felix? <laughs> I accept that. <laughs> yeah, no woman in the woods.
1: There is no woman in the woods. There is no contest. There is no invisibility cloak. Like, that aspect is not present anymore in this version.
0: And then also the mystery princes of the underworld, again, not really present. They are statues who come to life. Not really come to life. They are animated so that they can be dance partners with the sisters
2: yep which i feel like that could also like if this were not a barbie movie that is something that could be kind of creepily explored i feel like if this weren't a barbie movie there are a lot of like dark elements to this that you could go really like into but you know it's barbie so they didn't so chase my husband
1: and i have watched at one point one of the frozen shorts (laughs) where Elsa has a cold yes every time she sneezes she creates the little like mini snowman people and that freaks my husband out he's like we're not talking about the fact that Elsa can just create life when she sneezes (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's like that is some dark crap going on in this movie that's just not addressed at all and this kind of reminds me of that too like yeah if you actually follow that past it's like oh now we have a dance partner to like real world implications yeah uh it could get dark real fast
0: yeah you're right though dari that there are like some interesting ideas here i mean we can move into like any final thoughts i think there are some really fun ideas things that you could explore in a book or a tv series or even a movie that like you said is not barbie and so it doesn't have to be bright and cheerful and happy i think there are some fun ideas but Ultimately, you know, they're very limited in their scope and held back, I think, by the fact that they stray so far from the fairy tale, kind of just in the name of not making dad a bad guy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, so I've worked for the Mattel company when I worked at American Girl, and they're just very strict on their branding, really Disney level of strictness with like how you can and can't use characters. So... I totally get it. How they're like, you keep Barbie, Barbie. You can't get any darker.
0: You can't give her faults. It seems. I mean, yeah, from this true? one. No, movie. no, that's true.
2: Well, and I think there's a level of kind of Barbie being in every man, so that every girl can like picture herself as Barbie or like play as Barbie mm. easily. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, Bella too in Twilight. Like you picture yourself as by like it's popular because people picture themselves as barbie not because barbie herself which was interesting. I think, wherever i thought this <laughs> I podcast it- <laughs> was gonna
0: go comparing barbie to bella from twilight was not the answer i sorry. did not think we were going there <laughs> i have no problem with it but <laughs> i did not anticipate it
2: <laughs> sorry this is like my explanation too for like why the court of thorns and roses is popular too like books like that where like the protagonist is not that interesting but like popular because you can picture yourself as the protagonist
1: that's valid i think it's really interesting then that they chose to do this story because one of the things we talked about in the the intro to this is that the princesses in this original story are not great people like they're very selfish and they're very self-centered and they're willing to let young men die so that they can keep having a party at night and they don't see anything wrong with that. And so for for Barbie to say like, yeah, that story yeah. we are going to do, but with Barbie.
2: But they were like, hey, we can have 12 different dolls that we can sell for them to collect. Right. right. Yeah. That's what <laughs> and
1: it's about. So, so that, that to me is like one of the most
2: interesting choices
1: inherent in this.
0: The story is not about the princesses. The story is about the soldiers. And trying to use Barbie as one of those princesses who, like you said, is not a good person necessarily, Mm -hmm. you know, limits you.
1: Yeah. And so that's why I think it's really interesting to ask that question of like, how much of the story do we need to have to qualify this as a retelling? Because I think one of the things we tend to do with retellings is we're like, oh, well, if the premise is the same, then it's recognizable and of course it is that story Mm. and for here like the premise is the same you have 12 princesses and they are dancing through their shoes every night in a magical underground land but that is only the setup of the story right and that's all that this movie has it has the same setup but then everything else that follows is completely different
2: but like isn't tangled or even grounded kind of the same also where they're Setting up a girl in a tower with long hair, and then pretty much everything else
0: they bring it back. I would in argue the end, that tangled, though.
2: maybe not tangled, but grounded. I feel like, especially
0: well, yes, I would say the time books, as much as we love and adore them, the very concept of them like, if you look up online the, the series, they say the fairy tale is only the beginning. Yeah. So, the whole concept of those books yeah. is like, we're giving you the same setup. But we're going off the rails from there.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think that this is a fascinating conversation because as much as we acknowledge that that's true, I also look at Ground and go, yeah, that's Rapunzel. <laughs> yeah. And Disenchanted. Yeah, that's Cinderella.
0: Well, I think I would look at this movie and say, yeah, that's 12 Dancing Princesses.
1: That's 12 Dancing Princesses. But then we talk about other things like Princess and the Frog or like Frozen. And we get into this like really knockdown, down, drag out debate about is it or isn't it? And it's just really interesting which pieces and parts have to be similar for us to say, oh, yeah, that's a retelling. We're
0: going to have to talk about this one day. We're going to have to sit down and decide how much of a fairy tale has to be there for it to be a retelling.
1: Yeah. It's it's, for me personally, like, I don't know that there is a correct answer, but I am fascinated by the discussion.
0: It's a fun thing that it's just going to keep coming up. So,
1: yeah, so that is Barbie and the Twelve Dancing Princesses. And that is our final 12 Dancing Princesses. So in our next episode, we're going to wrap up our thoughts on this fairy tale. And I will give you more information on what I've been like tantalizingly scattering throughout these episodes about what I've written. Um, And then now we're going to reveal. It's time for the big reveal what our next fairy tale is. If you're on the Patreon, you probably already know. That's right. But if you're not a patron, our next fairy tale will be...
0: Aladdin.
1: Aladdin. it
0: will be super interesting, very different mm-hmm. from anything else we've done before. Yeah. We have many thoughts on Aladdin, so I think it will be a fun month.
1: It is going to be a fun
2: month. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, Dari, did you have any other final thoughts that you wanted to share on this episode?
2: Uh, no, I don't think so, but thanks for having me back. This has been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, thank you for joining us. You brought some insight that I think Cassie and I would have definitely missed. Um, especially involving both Barbie and ballet. So thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yes, thank you so much. It's always fun to have
0: guests. It is. Shake things up.
1: Again, we want to give a huge thanks to our super fan, Lila, for being part of the community of of Slippers and Spindles. And for everyone who's listening as well, we love that you like to hear us talk about these things. And we love interacting with you. You can find us all over the internet. If you're financially able to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon uh, by going to patreon.com slash of Slippers and Spindles. We have monthly book groups. If you're a patron, we've got Bookmark downloads. We've got all sorts of fun stuff like that that you can be involved in. Special polls that you get to vote in um, to help decide what we will look at in the coming months. And we also have a merch store. We haven't talked about our merch store for a while, but we have one of those and we've got some cool designs. And uh, my shirt got noticed in the wild Ooh. the other uh, week. Yes. And I was asked about it because I was wearing my um, fairy tale creator shirt. And somebody out and about in my town saw it and was like, now what's this shirt about? And I was like, you should listen to our podcast. I don't know if she ever did. So, but I hope that the lovely lady from Ace Hardware is listening <laughs> right now. That would be delightful to me. Uh, but you can also visit our, our merch store. And if you're not able to support us financially in those ways, we also have a very active Facebook page of Slippers and Spindles, and we have a wonderful Instagram account of Slippers and Spindles, and you can definitely interact with us there. And as we've said a lot in this episode, if you want to send us an email with all of your thoughts, please do. We love getting those.
0: We love emails. And of course, you can always make sure you are subscribed to the podcast Tell a friend about a podcast. That's the best way for other people to find us. And you can leave a review in Apple Podcasts and Spotify because listeners like to hear what other listeners think about podcasts. I know I do. So thank you all so much for listening. We will see you on Sunday to talk about Aladdin. Bye, friends. Bye.